And we're off. Okay. We have a really, really big guest, at least in my mind. This is a big, big guest. Some people might not know who he is, and that's that's real sad to me. And people need to know him and need to know his story. And I have I really don't think we even really need an introduction, but here we have Greg. Now do we call it the hammer? Or do we call him Yeah, it's the hammer. Williams. Well, first of all, you've oh, first of all you've already oversold it, Brad. You've totally <laughs> oversold me. So so now, you know, we can just hang up because there's no way that I can ever live up to that introduction. Well but, it's but yeah, I mean, it's I, damn true. I, I go by I go by a lot of names and I answer to even more. <laughs> I love it. Well, you are the hammer. And, and let's go even a little background there. How, who called you the hammer the first time? Randy Galloway. Randy Galloway. Well, I didn't know that. Yep. I was in, we were in Port Charlotte covering the Rangers. And, you know, I was at WBAP at the time. And, you know, we were we were in a, in a bar and it just, it just came up. You know, just all of a sudden he goes, you're the hammer. And I think it had something to do with, because my first name is Greg and Greg the Hammer Valentine. Okay, I was going to say, I was like, he, there had to be a correlation there between you and Greg the Hammer Valentine. He, I, I think it was, but, you know, Randy never really fully explained it, and he started calling me that, you know, when I was producing his uh, Sports at Six show on WBAP, and then it stuck, and then, you know, when I morphed into the ticket, it came with me, and then Reiner uh, always called me Grego. Mm-hmm. And... Then that kind of stuff, and so it's kind of a, a dual nickname thing. But like I said, I answer to a lot of stuff. No, I, I didn't know that because, the hammer went that far called, back. I've been called a lot of things in my life, so I answer to a lot of names. Well, that, that is interesting. We've already got one interesting quip for the day: is, is that the hammer originated from? Uh, not a lot of people know this. Uh, Randy Galloway, uh, not a neighbor, Maybe. not a neighbor of mine, but he uh, he lives down the street from me. Quite possibly, <laughs> that nickname emanated from maybe the most white in the United States. Yes, <laughs> and, well, that was uh, you were probably right near the uh, the Sportatorium days, where I'm sure the hammer ran through, probably right. I was more of a Will Rogers guy. Oh, okay. I was, well, now I will tell you something interesting. Now, uh, when I was in high school and play and played sports, Lake Dallas was in our district. And so I competed against all the Von Erics. I mean, Carrie was the same age as me. I mean, their last name is really Atchison. Yeah. Oh, and, okay. But, but I, but that was I competed a stage against name. Kevin. I competed against Kevin. Competed against uh, David and Carrie. I mean, Carrie and I uh, were discus rivals in the district the whole time. And then wow. you know, I mean, I was I was usually better than him. And then between you know my my our sophomore and junior year, all of a sudden he got a lot bigger and a lot more muscled <laughs> no and shit. a lot stronger. Yeah. And I don't, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying anything accusatory, but he sure did get bigger, stronger. It was and, widely you know, known. It was widely known. And, Greg we, <laughs> and we only had one of those junky universal weight machines. So I, 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 he pretty much left me behind and went and won a couple of state championships and I stayed my ass and boy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that's another thing I was going to say. You were you're raised in Boyd, right? No. See, that's that's kind of a misnomer. Really? I, mean, I yep. My my I lived. We lived all over the world because my dad was in the military. Correct. I mean, I was born in Florida. We lived in Nebraska. We lived in Madrid, Spain. 
We lived in Tripoli, Libya. We lived in Ankara, Turkey. We lived in Hampton, Virginia. We lived in Tampa, Florida. And so I moved around a lot. I, I went to six different elementary schools. Wow. And we didn't know we that you were, uh, I didn't, I don't think a lot of people knew that you were, I don't what, what was your dad in, the, what military? He was in, my, my dad was in the Air Force. He was in the Air Force, okay, so he was over at Carswell so, as well. Uh, that's where I was born. I was born what? on Carswell Air Force Base, and yep, my yeah. my dad was there, but but he, uh, you know, he, you know, we, we moved around a lot. That's when they moved military families quite a bit. They don't do that as much now that they downsized the military. But back then, <laughs> I mean, they would really move you around. And my dad was, was uh, you know, he, he was an enlisted guy. I mean, he was a chief master sergeant. That's what he retired as. But he was more softball player than anything. He played for the all-military team. Really? Yeah. I mean, oh. you know, they had the squadron team. Then they had the base team. you got to be pretty good to make the base team. Okay. And then they had the all-Air Force team. You got to be really good to make that. But if you make the all-military team, uh, you, you're one of the best players in the world. And we played on that for several years. As a matter of fact, in 1970, they won the world championship, and I've still got his ring to this day. He wore. Really? Wow. Yeah. And then you, uh, so you didn't but, grow but up anyway, in Boyd. Where, where did you go to high school? Back, he he retired. Yeah. And and I moved back to Boyd when I was in the sixth grade. Sixth grade, okay. And so, so I, I, I went to the, I mean, I went to like half of the sixth grade there, and then both junior high and high school, and then I graduated from there. But at age 18, uh, you know, after I graduated from high school, then I went to a Ranger Junior College. So you, I moved out then. So I only lived in Boyd for, you know, five and a half years. Huh. Because, you know, once I, once I went to college in Ranger and flunked out, which is, impossible to do and ranger and I went there on a base yeah yeah wow. i went there on a baseball i went there on a baseball scholarship and you know for junior college i mean they were well they were coming off a national championship and so i went there and it took me about oh 15 seconds to figure out how ordinary i was i mean i thought i was but you know i was always just a really fast guy i could run really fast and so that's really how it it, you know, I made the team because I didn't have a real good arm. I mean, I was a an okay hitter, you know, probably average, but I could really run. And so, you know, I, I pinch ran a lot, and you know, I was a defensive replacement a lot. But I played that one year, but I just didn't go to class. I, you know, I, I thought. Yeah. I mean, I mean, mom, Mama wasn't there to wake me up to go to class, so you know, I just didn't go to class. But I went to baseball practice, and so. In my stupid, juvenile, ignorant mind, I thought, oh, hey, as long as I'm going to class, I mean, as long as I'm going to baseball practice and early, I'm okay. And then the coach brought me in there and he goes, do you realize you're flunking out? And I go, yeah, I knew I wasn't doing real good. He goes, no, do you realize how hard it is to flunk out of Ranger Junior College? And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty tough. But then it occurred to me after I played the one season, you know, my baseball career was going to begin and end in junior college. And so I moved back to Fort Worth, and I already had a connection uh, bartending. And so I started bartending and did that for six years. And that is the greatest six years of my life, without question. Without question, the greatest six years of my life. Six years. 
So a lot of people, they, they you know, because I graduated from Boyd, they just assumed that I grew up there. But, you know, I didn't live there very long at all. Yeah. But my parents did. And you know, both my parents are deceased now. But they never moved out. So, you know, I was constantly going back, but I didn't live there. I mean, I lived in uh, Fort Worth and mainly Arlington. Yeah. Well, I, I guess when I saw that, you, uh, I mean, you'd touched down in Boyd. I, I didn't realize that you were out there. So, I, you know, no one really thought you were like a Fort Worth kind of DFW guy. Yeah, you know, it's, you know, everything's perception. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's one thing about me. You know, I'm perceived as, as someone that, you know, a lot of people might find surprised. And I find surprising, you know, that, that you know, I'm, I'm not that hasty country hit that I see. You know, I mean, I, I, I grew up, you know, on military installations, and I graduated from Boyd, and so I'm so closely identified. And I don't mind that. I don't mind. I'm very proud of that, of that town and proud of that school. Yeah. Well, and then, so TC, where did TCU come in at? When did I what? Where, when did uh, when did you start going to TCU? Well, I, I I always knew I always knew that I wanted to go back to school, and I always knew that, that getting a college education was was important, and that was always in the back of my mind, and I just didn't have the discipline yeah. to go at age eighteen. I, I just didn't, and and I marvel. I, I Brad, you can't believe how I marvel at kids that go right from high school into college and get a degree in four years. I, I just don't understand how they could do that. Some type of uh, that willpower to able to do those type of, do that type of work. Cause I'm, I'm similar in that fact that I, I do remember being that age, 18, 19, 20, and I was just not ready for that type of stuff. I was, I just didn't have the, uh, the maturity to do those type of things. And, I yeah. flunked out of I flunked out of Ranger Junior College. Can you imagine what I'd have done at like Texas Tech or or University of Texas or North Texas? Can you imagine? <laughs> if you can't, if you flunk out of Ranger Junior College, you're pretty much the bottom of the barrel. But I always knew that I wanted to go back. It was something that was important, and I just woke up one morning, and I'd been bartending, and you know I, I bartended at some of the hottest. And this is back in the nightclub era. I mean, this wasn't like working at a Bennigan's or a, or a Friday's or something. This is where that if you wanted to eat, you went to a restaurant. If you wanted to drink and dance, you went to a nightclub. And I suppose there's still a few of those around, but not like there was back in the day. And so, you know, I got in with the with the Spencer clubs in Fort Worth at the time. Spencer's Palace, yeah. Spencer's Corner. I worked at both of those, and I worked at the Daily Double. And so, you know, I worked around, knocked around at, at some of those bars. I was one of the, I was the, the first uh, uh, bartender at Billy Bob's. And, uh, you know, I mean, I, 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 you can, a lot of would argue about this, but I worked at VIP room on opening night. And, you know, I think I served the first drink at Billy Bob's. Really? I mean, I can't, that, I can't confirm that. <laughs> but but it was if if it wasn't the first it was in among the first twenty five right but 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 I always knew and I just woke up one morning and go and it was in nineteen eighty five and you know I knew that okay all right it's time it's time to go to school and so I did a little research I applied to four universities I accepted into three 
And, you know, I chose TCU. You know, I, I applied at, at TCU, uh, University of Texas, William and Mary, and University of Virginia. Because I, we lived in Hampton, Virginia when I was a kid, and I fell in love with the state. I fell in love with everything. I thought it'd be kind of cool to go there. And I was accepted at TCU. I was accepted at UT. I was accepted at William Mary. And the bastards at Virginia, for some reason, I wasn't good enough. And I hate them to this day. I hate them to this day. Yeah. And and so, you know, I I, I, I was gonna, I was all set. I was going to go to UT. But then I had a bartending job. And my determination was I was going to get a degree. And I, I was going to go straight through all, every summer class, every uh, super class during holidays. I was going to go straight through. And I, I wanted to graduate with no debt. And I did. I mean, I was able to, to test out of a lot of classes that I didn't have to take. And I got my, I got a double degree at TCU as a class of 87. And I got a double degree in English, worthless degree, and journalism, and even more worthless. <laughs> I was just about to say, if there's a guy who probably didn't need to go to college, but you did, it's Grego. Yeah, you know what? And, and you wouldn't, Brad, you wouldn't believe all the people that say, hey, you know, I want to get into radio. What do I need to do in college? I'm like, don't. I said, you don't even need a high school diploma to do what I did in radio. You really don't. You, know, you just need you know, a little gift of gab and, and a lot of luck. And a, a lot, lot of luck. luck. A lot because, of luck. Because, you know, uh, people ask me the, the, the one question, how did you, you know, get into radio? Well, the one, I, uh, luck. You know, I, I, I just went to WBAP. I was doing work at Channel 5 at the time. And I just went to WBAP to the great Steve Lamb, the great Steve Lamb. And I just said, look, you know, I, I, what can I do for you? Because I was going to be a writer. I mean, that was my original plan was to be a sports writer and work for a newspaper. But then I, but then I discovered that I dressed too well. You know, I dressed way too well to be a, a sports writer. So, so that, so that, that was all. That just That's that? Joke, right? you're, you're just supposed that? to laugh at that. <laughs> no, laugh. I did laugh. I'm like, what do you mean you didn't dress too well? <laughs> I, I dress too well. I dress, you know, I mean, those, those sports riders don't know how to dress. They, 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 but they couldn't match a shoe and a belt if you, you know, were to hand it to them. So anyway. Yeah. Bam. And I just said, he said, look, I can't pay you. I said, I don't care. What can I do? He said, well, you know, you cover the Rangers, you cover the Mavericks, what we carried at the time. You know, you can help with Randy. And so I just started covering games. And to me, my God, you know, I wasn't getting paid, but I had a job at Six Flags where I was, where I, I did the gunfight show. <laughs> and then, then we did, I know, right. I know, every, we're going to rabbit holes with me. No, no, I'm no. Like, I, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of like Forrest Gump. No, I mean, yeah, I, but I, it, you're like in hitting all the spots where I'm like, oh, shit, I do remember that you worked at the gunfight yeah. show. And well, you... <laughs> I, I did that. And, and for three straight summers, while I was, and I was going to college this time, because you got to remember, from 85 to 87, it, it, I was in college taking full loads, and a lot of times 18 hours a semester. Because I wanted to get in and get the hell out. I you weren't, you weren't lingering, yeah. You weren't lingering. But, but there were three straight summers, and I'm not kidding you, from Labor I mean, from Memorial Day 
to Labor Day, all those months, I worked every single day for three straight summers. Didn't miss a day. Gunfighting. And, you know, they were paying me $100 a show, mm. which was a, a lot of money. That's a lot of money then back I, then. <laughs> yeah. And then I had a bartending job, and I was working at a pretty hot bar at the time, and I was working like three days a week, and I was making about, you know, $200 a night doing that. So, I mean, I was making really good money. And, you know, then I'm looking to get in the radio, and they're like, yeah, we pay minimum wage <laughs> or nothing. And so I was one of those guys that, that I was able to cover games and really juggle a, a, a ridiculous schedule. So when Steve said, you know, you can cover the Rangers, I mean, this is 88, I'm like, yeah, are you kidding me? I mean, you're going to give me a meet Why I go to any Ranger game? And he's like, yeah, because we need the tape. And so well, I'm absolutely in on that. And then, you know, we had a flight. We had a, a, a seat on the Cowboys charter. And he's like, well, you want to cover the Cowboys training camp? Are you kidding me? And then it kind of worked into a job where I was making a little bit of money but getting benefits. And then I became Randy's producer. And so it was the, that was luck. That was just pure luck. Now, I, there was a stretch at WBAP where I worked 144 straight days without a day off. But I didn't care. I mean, I was covering sports. I mean, this wasn't work. I've never had a, I've never had a real job in my life. I worked in radio, and I worked as a bartender. I've never held a real job. And so, so that was, you know, to me, that was, uh, you're going to allow me to go to a, a game? And eat free and watch a Ranger game for free, and then I get to go to the clubhouse and interview players. Well, let me pay you. Well, okay. Well, now I want to get into uh, this is what a lot of people don't know, and I've actually uh, I've done I've done my research on things. I, I read that book a little while back. Um, the I don't know what it's called now. Uh, it was that ticket book. I can't remember what it's called at the moment, but I did read it, and the main thing that uh, people site as one of the inspirations to the ticket was being in the um what am i thinking uh being at the ranger game and with all the with the, all the reporters and journalists inside the uh the press room are you think, are you thinking about the back of the bus press box the back of the bus press box yes that's true that's true and and see the one of my heroes growing up because i i i, I love music sports and so I was a huge fan of the zoo, KZEW. Mm-hmm. And I loved Ryder. He was my hero growing up. I loved listening to Ryder because he had the, I thought he had the greatest job. He covered sports and he worked for the best rock and roll station in the history of the country. And, and, and you are, I'm sorry great. for the people who don't know, he is speaking of Mike Reiner, who is. You know, <laughs> I don't know why no one would know who that is, but he's a Hall of Famer. Hall he's, of Famer. He's, he's, he's a top five radio guy in the history of DFW without question. I mean, when you mention Ron Chapman, when you mention Terry Dorsey, uh, you better mention Mike Ryder because yeah. he's right there. But but we were, you know, I was covering games, and somebody goes, "Hey man, there's Mike Ryder over there," and that was like 
you know, being the president of the United States, I'm like, holy moly, Mike Rhino, Mike Rhino. And, you know, I introduced myself, and, and he said, yeah, you know, I've heard you on WBAP, heard Randy. And then it just started from that. I mean, just those very, very small beginnings. And then I kind of amused him a little bit. And then we started taking, you know, I was covering the WBAP. He was working for GTE on call, which basically that was, it seems so primitive now, but at the time it was so cutting edge. It was where uh, Ryan would, would uh, cover games and do commentary on just like a recording. And you would call in mm-hmm. on your phone and listen to it. Since primitive now with all the social media and the internet, but back then it was, you know, it was cutting edge. It's called GTE on call. And so he was covering for that. I was at WBAP, and Craig Miller was at KRLD. And we all were, you know, bottom of the run guys. I, I think they admit. And we just kind of came together. And we weren't allowed with the real journalists because we're radio hacks. And so our press box was in old Arlington Stadium, way on the first base side on the top. I mean, you literally, you literally had to walk across the roof of the upper deck to get to the back of the bus press block. You literally had to walk outside across the roof. And, you know, all the, you know, the lower run guys were, were, were in there. That's where they kept us because we can't be with the real journal. You know, we can't be with the real writers, which was fine with us because we got up there and played grab ass. Well, so we got up there. Yeah, and, where it's and, like and frowned upon. I, I'm sorry, Greg, but it's where it's kind of frowned upon. For some people who don't know, uh, when you're in the press box, actually when things are exciting, things are happening on the field or whatever, it's, it's said that you need to be quiet and that's, you know, right, you don't right. celebrate or anything. And, and, and and it wasn't that we were doing that. Yeah. It wasn't that we were cheering or anything. It's just that we're radio people. We talk. Mm-hmm. And, you know, me, I can't shut up. I've never shut up for 10 seconds in my entire life. And so then, you know, Reiner is up there and Craig Miller is, is one of the funniest guys I've ever met in my life. And then, you know, there were other people. You know, Christy Scales, wow, you know, okay. that, that covers the Cowboys sideline. I mean, she was part of back of the bus. You know, David Robinson also was part of the back of the bus. The great Roger Emmerich, the late great late Roger great. Emmerich, yeah, wow. was, was, was part of it. And so, you know, it was all of us, you know, lower guys, but we were up there and we, you know, we just kind of, we didn't know it at the time, but we were laying the groundwork for what we did on the ticket. And so when people asked me, hey, man, how'd you get the job at the ticket? I say, I knew. And that is the absolute truth. That's how I got it. No other way. I knew him. Had I not known him, I would not have got that job. No, so, no. so we were kind of laying the groundwork for what we did on the ticket, and it was some of the some of the best times of my life. I mean, sitting up there in that press box, and you know, saying what we were, we were doing our we were doing the hard line up there before the hard line during yeah the books. Years before the hard line. And, and making poverty wages. Well, I don't know how much Rhino was making at the time, but making poverty wages. Oh, 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 making making nothing. But yeah. It, it wasn't, you know, 
it, it, Brian, it was a different time. And like I said, you know, I, I was, I, I, I managed my money pretty well and I had bartending gigs that I could work on and I was kind of working my own schedule with Speed Lamb. And so, you know, I was able to, to live a, a pretty good existence and do all this stuff. I mean, now I worked a lot. You know, I, I was covering stuff in, in the mornings and, you know, if there was a game, I covered it that night. There were times that I covered a Mavericks game and would stop by and cover a Ranger game when they had that overlap in the spring. But it never seemed like work. I mean, it was, it was, it was just glorious stuff. It was tremendous. Yeah. That, that's that's amazing. I mean, that's really amazing to kind of hear, or people don't really realize that that it all happened in a in a rack chat, you know, press box. And so then, Reiner, do do you know that backstory? I mean, the backstory of how he kind of he was enlisted to kind of get the whole the whole gang together at the ticket. Sure, sure. It was a it was a guy named named Jeff Dunbar, who because at the time. Dallas Fort Worth was the largest market without an all sports. And the ticket went on the air in 94. The idea was hatched in early 93. And we, we were the, the largest media market without an all sports station. It started, the first one started in New, in New York in 1989. And so you know, it was the largest one. And there was all kinds of excuses why an all sports station would not work in Dallas. You know, number one is you have to have a team. You know, you've got to have a team to carry. You've got to be covering the Rangers. Well, that wasn't going to happen. You know, you got to carry the Cowboys. That damn sure wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. And you got to have a good signal. Well, that, most of them were taken up. And so this guy named Jeff Dunbar, his, he, he had a daughter the same age as uh, Reiner's daughter. And they went to the same school, and they started talking. And Jeff's dad had owned radio stations and was in the radio business. And so to make an extremely long story short, you know, he kept saying, you know, why is there not an all-sports station? And Reiner's like, I don't know. I don't know. And Reiner, who is one of the most, one of the smartest guys that I've ever met, intelligence off the chart, he, um, they started talking about it, on why it would work instead of why it wouldn't. And then enter the picture, Spence Kendrick. Who was a a investment banker who had a lot of money and a lot of connections, and he said that he would finance the whole deal, and so it came together that way. And then it was up to Rhines to put together the uh, the uh, the lineup. And you know, he, he you know Craig Miller and myself were the first two people that he came to, and that's really how it started. I mean, it just started with. With, with Reiner and Jeff Dunbar's daughters being at the same place and Reiner getting introduced to Jeff Dunbar, who knew a money guy, and then it just blossomed from there. That's just so wild. And, That's just so wild. That just him going only, to Jordan's daycare or whatever, yeah. and then, whoa, hey, we got a radio station. That's that, that's what it was. And so, yeah, it was pure love. I mean, th- there are radio people out there that have never been in a major market that have, that have so much more talent than I do. Tons more. But I was in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's all about. And I understand that. Yeah. 
so so the ticket starts and uh hold on y'all started um at what time what time we, was their slot your slot it wasn't it wasn't drive time exactly no 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 we were, we were the they because you know enter the picture skip Bayless, mm-hmm. who who also who was instrumental in getting the thing off the ground i'll give him credit for that and that's it Nothing else. That's it. And he won't even. And he won't even. He probably won't even take the credit. He's like, I don't want that. And and then Chuck Cooperstein, who who had, who had left the market and gone to the All Sports Station in Philadelphia, but he he wanted to move back to Dallas. Hmm. And so you know, it, once again, ticket luck is what we called it. Mm-hmm. And so you know, we had Skip, a big name that could anchor the mornings, and then we got Chuck Cooperstein, and then we just kind of filled in. And, you know, originally, the hard line was going to be me, Reiner, and Craig Miller. But then all of a sudden, Craig Miller, who, who room, was a roommate with Georgie during, the, uh, during their college days, goes, hey, what about me? You know, and, you know, George had a really good job with the Texas State Network, and Reiner just didn't think he'd ever, he'd, he'd ever move, but he was ready to make the move. And so that's when the split came. It was like, okay, well, me and Reiner and Dunham Miller. But we worked 11 to 2, and Dunham Miller worked into 5. Then that's how it started. I mean, the two afterthought shows, me and Reiner, Dunham Miller, ended up being the two anchor shows in the early days of the ticket. And that's the way it still is to this day. Yeah. And hadn't missed a beat. Hadn't missed a beat. Well, um, I guess, I mean, I, we obviously want to get into the heyday. I mean, like, what would you say? Like the hey, I mean, the heyday of the hard line. I mean, y'all were, y'all were one of the hottest shows, obviously in DFW. You were actually making like, I don't know exactly how much people made money in radio making money in radio as of the moment, but you were in the heyday of, you could make a bunch of money. In radio, well, we we did we did really well. I mean, and they they treated us really well. I never had to negotiate a contract. Every contract that I got, they they said, "Okay, well, we're gonna how's this offer?" And I'm like, "Are you kidding me? <laughs> Give me that pen." Because in radio, radio is a lot like a third world country. You either make a lot more than you deserve, or you make nothing. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of middle class. No, there's not. And so I was, once again, you know, ticket luck. I was very lucky and very fortunate. But I would say the Halcyon days of the hard line was probably 2000, 2001, 2002. Yeah. You know, there were a lot of things going on. Now, you've you got to remember, Brad, just think of this, because you know, I always call it ticket luck. We went on the air January 24th, 1994. Okay? In a span of six months, in a span of six months, here's what happened. The Cowboys won their second consecutive Super Bowl. They fired their coach. Of all people, they hired Barry Switzer. You had Tanya Harding's kneecap, uh, Nancy Kerrigan. Right, yeah. And you had O.J. Simpson down there cut his wife's head off. All of that that went on within a six-month period. 
along with all the other, you know, Mavericks Rangers news at the time. And in those days, when there was a sports story, you had to wait till six o'clock in the you know, you listen to Norm in the morning or you listen to Sports at Six with Brad Sam or what they were doing at KRLD, whatever the hell that was. I mean, uh, Kate, uh, Cliff, whatever the hell that was, or Randy Galloway at BAP. There was no outlet for talking sports from 9 a.m. until 6 p.m. And all of a sudden, you can talk about Barry Switzer being the new head coach at you know, noon. You, know, you can talk about the, the thuggery of, of, of Tanya Harding. And that really helped us. I mean, just think about how big those stories were. Yeah. That's content and, for days and, there. Yeah. And so, so that, that really helped us quite a bit because, and we did a really good job because we had no money for advertising. I mean, we barely made payroll in the day. I mean, it was, we were inventing it as we were going, going. But the one thing that we did do, was we got out, and you know this, because you were around. You were part of it. We got out, and we met people. Yeah. So, you know, it was like that, you know, to do a radio remote is real expensive. But to do a ticket radio remote is like, well, how much money you got? Well, you know, we've only got $500. When do we need to be there? Well, you know, we've only got seven. Oh, when do we need to be there? And we would do remotes. And boy, that was sketchy because of the, the lack of equipment we had. But you know, we did it, and and then we found that following that of the sports people, and you know, all of a sudden they can come out to Dennegan's or wherever and meet us. And you know, hell, I guess they liked us because you know they they, they became the most loyal listening base of. Any radio station in the history of DFW, there is no question. Well, maybe the country. The maybe zoo. the country, I would say. You can talk about the zoo. You can talk about KBIL, which was so big. You, know, you can talk about the early days of AM Top 40 radio. But nobody had more loyal listeners that would fight through static on a bad <laughs> signal. And, oh, you know, yeah. and, and listen to it. And then they would come out, and they could meet us. And, you know, we weren't a bunch of a-holes. Well, actually, we were, but in a good way. And they just kind of liked what we did. And then, you know, it was around that time that we kind of figured out, hey, this sports deal is really, really good. But, you know, when you pick up a newspaper, there's an entertainment section. There's a front page. There's a local section. And so we kind of started talking about other things. You know, and that's when the ticket really took off, is when we started talking about being cut off in traffic. When we talked about what the idiot in front of you, Tom Thumb, did. You know, just things that the average person could relate to. And that really, really helped us. I mean, it really did. And, you know, it, it, there was that term guy talk. And I like to say that the ticket invented that. You know, to whereas it was about sports, we always, that was always our main topic. We always got back around to it. But, you know, we would visit these little rabbit holes of things that were of cost and of importance and entertaining factor to the average person out there. 
Well, I think that's important because uh, a lot of the times you don't really remember what. Well, I remember in week week eight of the Cowboys, Grego and you know and Reiner were talking about that. No one really cared, but in some of those stories that y'all have told and and other little ticket moments as we call them. We remember those a hell of a lot more than we did, you know, with anything that y'all said as far as sports wise. And I guess we can we can him and haul about, you know, well he's wrong on that opinion or whatever. But what really I think sets them apart is that they're just plain entertaining in just everything else. I mean, I just want to sit here and listen to the ticket talk about these type of things. And we got to. We have to know what they. What they. What we want to know. What they think about these things. Well, I call it the driveway syndrome. The driveway syndrome. I used to always use that term. That you know, you want to tell a story to where when somebody is listening to you going home, that they will sit in their driveway for five minutes listening to you finish your story. That's a real and, phenomenon. And they and they still have that. That's a real yeah, phenomenon and, and, because there's there's these times where uh, I, you'd have jobs where, um, and I think even Danny Bayless, Bayless always talked about whenever he was delivering pizzas and if, by God, if they were in the middle of a, uh, a hardline segment, those motherfuckers were not getting their pizza. They're waiting until this I, segment's over. Hey, you know, and, and, you know, Danny is a great example. I mean, he was just a guy that participated in the show. Uh, through Fact Spotter, which was genius. It was. Genius. I don't know how they can't bring in something similar to that. Think how primitive that is now. (laughs) With with all the immediacy we have with social media and texting and the internet. But back edge. And and Danny, believe me, I could do a whole podcast just talking how talented that dude is. I mean, that guy is off the Challenging, yeah. In a lot of ways. Oh, it's he 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 can write a song in five minutes. Yeah, and he's I believe me, I'm a huge fan of his. Huge. Well, we'll get on to the, a lot of your old buddies and and try to figure out, uh, I guess, where you stand with them. But I, I really want to talk about. Um, oh gosh. So your heyday with, with the hard line was going on. You say it's around the early 2000s. And then, I mean, then we just had a, kind of a falling out with you guys. And Spit it out, Brad. No, I, out. I, I, no I'm just trying to, I'm trying to articulate the way. Again, I'm not a seasoned broadcaster like you. Uh, well, let me. <laughs> yeah, go let, ahead. Let me, just tell you, let me just tell you what happened. I started believing my own hype. Oh, okay. And I became a bad person. I became a bad person. I became a guy that whose ego and arrogance got so out of control that I had to go. Mm-hmm. I had to go. I mean, I was, uh, I loved being radio man. And I believed a lot of the stuff being said. And I lost my grounding, and I had to go. And then you right. mix in, you know, the 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 little drug problem I had with cocaine, and then I really had to go. I really had to go. And I blame none of those guys. 
it was 100% my fault. 100%, they were 100% right. Um, well, you I didn't, you didn't feel that at the moment though. I mean, no, I mean, obviously no, uh, being a, being a drug addict, you, you have that, you know, you know, you don't see it in those lenses, obviously in retrospective you did. What were you feeling at that moment when all this was going down and when you're, when you're basically on the outs of the ticket? I mean, what do you, what do you think? Um, a lot of regret. A lot of, uh-oh, what have you done? But also at the time, you know, my, my ego was so out of control that I thought, oh, I'll just move on to another station and, you know, do the same thing. Not realizing that it was the magic of the ticket that made me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't me that made the ticket. The ticket made me. And it was 99% the ticket and 1% me. But at the time, my stupid arrogance thought it was the other way around. And that was a hard lesson to learn. That is, that's even a tough pill for me even to swallow. And I'm, I'm not a part of this. But, yeah, I mean, that's, that's something to say that, you know, well, I can just do this over here. There's other radio stations around here. And then you realize, man that's just really not going to work over here. And it's that that's well, a hard, that's a hard pill to swallow. I'm a number two guy. I'm not a number one guy. I'm a co-star. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not the star. Reiner was the star and he made me because he knew how to draw things out of me. And when all of a sudden I'm by myself, you know, I'm out there naked which is not a good sight, by the way. But, you know, I was out there by myself, and, and I did teeing the ball up for me. So, Ryder was the star. And, you know, I'll be honest, I, I don't, those guys don't have any contact with me now. I mean, I've, uh, you know, I was dismissed October 12th, uh, 2007. That was my last day, and I really haven't spoken to Ryder since. He yeah. doesn't speak to me. I mean, I've, I've reached out, but he's got his reach, and I don't blame him. Yeah. I don't blame him one bit, not one single bit, because I brought this on myself. I, now, I think he I'm did. Hopeful. I think he did, but I think there was also you. There was something else underlying with you. I think there was. It's not just you know he's a, just a crazy drug addict and he had a big ego. I think that's really simplifying it. I think there's a lot more there. Well, you know, the, the, the drug addict thing, I mean, that's you can say that, and I've got to take that label. I have to accept it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it was, wasn't was really like that. Yeah. I went, you know, a number of years. I don't mean I that as a, as a slight to you. I'm, oh, I, I know. I'm and, sorry. And, and no, no, do not apologize, because that's a label that I must have. That's a label that, that I must accept, and I do, because I am an addict. I mean, and I mean, I go to AA meetings on a regular basis. I mean, in the past couple of years, I've been over one thousand. Wow. I mean, I go every day. I will go today. I went yesterday. I mean, I'm I'm a big believer in that. I mean, that's kind of my life now. I mean, my life now kind of revolves around my church, which I don't want to put that on anybody. I don't want to use that as a crutch. I don't even want to bring it up. 
because, you know, I have my own beliefs, but, but that's something that grounds me now, and AA meetings ground me. A big believer in that. And I've been through rehab a couple of times, and the first time, I was, and I don't need this shit, and let me get in here and get out, and I didn't take it seriously. The second time, I did. And the second time, it worked. And the second time really helped me. And when was the first? I'm sorry, Greg. When was the first time? First time was 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 in uh, '04. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And and the second time was was in uh, in 2014. Okay. You know, I've been gone from the fan because I had I worked. For a couple years at ESPN, disaster, absolute, one hundred percent, total abortion disaster. We call that although the dark. I, did, well, I call that the dark period for for although although, although although I I did spring uh, R.J. Choppy loose from there. Absolutely, I did, I did yeah. fish. I did I did fish him out, <laughs> and then the fan. You know, I, I have a lot of. I have more regrets at the fan than I do any other place that I work. Because I had success as a technique. ESPN was never going to work. That was never going to work because I, I was at a bad place in my life and I just come out the ticket and, you know, I was being overprescribed medication. I'm not using that as an excuse. I'm not, please, let me back up. I'm not using that as an excuse. It's a reason. But, you know, I was being prescribed Valium like Flintstone vitamins. Well, that, well that is, I mean, you can use it. I'm not trying to use it as an excuse either, but I think there was things where, you know, these things were being oversubscribed to you and we didn't know how to treat, I, I just saying we didn't know how to treat Grego. I, I really think right. uh, like you were felled by a few things where I think if another thing gone right, then maybe we have a healthy Grego in 2000, you know, 2012 or 11, whenever you started yeah. over at the fan. Well, you know, I you know, I I kind of had some uh, uh, you know some dark periods at the um, you know uh, you know after the fan, and then Richie Witt just out of nowhere calls me up and says, "Hey, you know, you need to get down the air." And without him, I'd have never got the job at the fan. Once again, you know, Greg on luck. I mean, I've had nothing but luck in my whole life, and I've done nothing but warm my way into really good jobs my whole life. And you know, Richie believed in me. Richie believed in me a lot. And without him, I would have never, I would have never got the opportunity to fan. Okay. And yeah. once again, another, another opportunity that I kind of blew. Okay. Kind. Another story. I'm going to go back a little bit because I really have, I've always had this question. So that day at the black Flint, what the hell happened? Um, I overslept. Yeah, I just overslept. That's it. And I was at my lake, and I was at my lake house, and I just had to randomly get there. But that's it. It's not I as, just, I, it's I, not as I, nefarious I totally, as that. And, and I, I, I didn't hear you, Brad. No, I, I said it, it. I guess it always in like ticket lore that there was something crazier happening that day. 
and where a lot of no, people thought but, you were dead or something like that or you know. no no I, I i just overslept and you know i'm sure at the time because it was it was past time for me to go it was just past time and i gave them that opening to get rid of me because they you know i basically showed up there and then during a break you know, Jeff Catlin, you know, he said, hey, you need to do this. You need to go take this drug test. And I'm like, okay. I'm in my car and I'm leaving. And I, you know, I've never really told this. And I called my my lawyer and said, hey, you know, I need to, you know, they're saying, go take this. He goes, well, go take it. I go, well, I can't pass it. He goes, oh, dear, don't take it. And so then, you know, I was supposed to do some cowboy stuff that weekend. And they said, look, be here at 9 o'clock Monday morning, and you're off the air and off everything until then. So what I was going to do was just, you know, take a drug test. You know, I mean, that was about the easiest thing in the world to do. You know, I was just going to take a drug test, go in there, deny everything, wipe my ass off as usual, and, and go on. But then they kind of started going at me with a bunch, you know, from a bunch of angles and I didn't have any answers anymore. And, you know, lie upon lie upon lie just caught up with me. Yeah. And so, you know, they said, well, will you go take that drug test? And I go, there's no need, but I can't pass it. And I just admitted it. And they said, okay, we're going to get you the help. And they did. I mean, they, they sent me to rehab. And I went to, you know, a, a detox, which I really didn't need, but I went through it. And then I did some outpatient for a while, and they got me the help, but they never had any intention of bringing me back. And I don't blame them. I wouldn't either. I mean, it, it was time for me to go, Brad. It was time for me to go. Yeah, I, I, I get that. And yeah. So, yeah, I get that. And, and, and so, you know, I, I just, I, but that was at the rehab where I was still Grego. My arrogance was out of control. And I had to, um, you know, I, I just thought, you know, screw this, you know, I'm going to go back to the ticket and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll quit doing the drugs, which, you know, I mean, I was, I, I fully admit I was doing the drugs. Yeah. But it, it really wasn't to the extent that the lore has created. You know, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you do a little bit or a lot. You did it. Oh, and it was yeah. against the rules and it was against my contract. Oh, that's and interesting. They, 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 they got rid of me, and you know what? Good for them, because they have not missed one single beat without me. It hasn't hurt them in ratings. It hasn't hurt them in anything. And you know what? I take a little pride in that. You know that because the last thing I'd want to do was was hurt them. And I, I mean that. I, I sincerely mean that because you know I'm doing this interview, and I, I'm I'm being as unvarnished and raw as I can be, and I'm telling you the truth, and I will answer any question that you've got about that period of time. Well, but I mean, that's, last thing, that, that was, that's solidifying a lot of that uh, things maybe people don't exactly know. I mean, I think that's helping a lot. I mean, I, you know, I'll, I'll confess this. I'll confess this. When I was a fan and ratings would come out, and, you know, the tickets off the chart and, you know, we're just, you know, okay, we're making strides. You know, we're, you know, we're up to a, a, a three, one, you know, when I'm used to tens and I'd look at those ticket numbers and, you know, 
there's a part of the inside that's like, damn right, way to go, dudes. Because, you know, even though that I'm not a part of it and I haven't been a part of it in a number of years, you know, in my twisted kind of mind, I, I still feel a lot of pride in the ticket. And I still feel a slight, slight connection. And I feel a, a, a slight amount of, of, of pride and adulation that, that I was part of helping that get off the ground. You slight. Because well, it's them now. It's all them. Well, it is all them, but I think you do not get enough appreciation for being a part of that that beginning. I mean, it's okay. I think we've all. I mean, it's been over twelve. It's been over twelve years. I mean, we can we can get over it. But you need that recognition because if I can if I can interrupt you, I, I think I get all the credit that I need. Maybe okay. a little more than I need. Okay. I I, I think I do. I mean, I, I have. I have no problem with that. Hey, it's, hey, Brad, if I was innocent, if I was not guilty, I'd be on here pleading my oh, case. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have no defense. I mean, it's, it's you know, the ticket had the crane move. I have no defense for it. Yeah. I, I think I would just was, I think if anything, I was, it was more or less saying that, you know, we, I guess, whenever I saw that board, you know, it had the twenty-five. Was it twenty-five years now of yeah. the, the ticket? And I really, I felt, I felt that slight. And maybe you didn't. You don't really care. But I was like, yeah, that, no. Grego needs to be on that board, and he needed to be well, appreciated. You know, what? you know what? They said it was a mistake, yeah. and I'm going to believe them. Yeah. So I, I mean, a lot of people on social media said a lot of nasty things about the ticket. Mm-hmm. In my defense. And I, I tried my best to defend the ticket. I, I don't. I, I, did they leave it off on purpose? Maybe they did. Maybe they did. But I, I choose to believe that it was just an oversight. I wasn't the only one left off. No, you weren't. But there's off. there's those other people where they left off, and we'd be like, ah, they were left off. But where Grego, I mean, you're you're part of day one. You are an instrumental yeah. part of, of the success of where the ticket is now. That, I mean, I'm just saying, is, yeah. That, that, that is something that the old me would have gone right. ballistic over. Right. But now it's like, uh, you know, they said it was a slight, and I'm going to believe it. Yeah. I'm going to believe it. It's kind of like, you know, that, that, that um, they put all the you know, uh, all alert out that anybody that worked at the ticket was welcome to come there. But I, I, I didn't feel like that I was really going to be welcomed. I, I really didn't. So I didn't go because I didn't want to be a distraction. Right. And once I, again, I'm trying, I'm, trying, I'm trying to make that about me, and I really don't mean it to be. No, I, I can understand why, why you would think that, and it's like, well, this is their celebration of 25 years, and you don't want to make it all about you, but I'm telling you right now, there's a handful of listeners, maybe bigger than a handful, that if Grego would have just came up uh, behind that curtain as a surprise guest and everyone kind of got over the little feelings that they have about you and been like, you know what? I don't really like Grego. I don't really, um, uh, we, we never really reconciled things from back in, you know, uh, to whenever 2008, that's fine. But I still have to have the appreciation, bring his ass up on the stage and here's Grego. And I think that should have, 
at least been there. You may not want it because you're you're very you 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 become a very humble guy, which is which is strange for Grego, but <laughs> I still think that the appreciation should have been there for you. Well, you know, maybe it should have, maybe it shouldn't, but you know, that's not the last showbread they're ever gonna have. Exactly. And I yeah. I do hold out a lot of hope that things can be somewhat patched up. They'll never be repaired. No, no, no. But but you know, I'm just hoping that that that, that this tug vessel somehow can be patched up and will be seaworthy again. I, I I really hope that. And it may not. And if it's not, I, 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 I'm at peace with that. Well, because right now, right now, I'm at a place in my life to where, number one, I've never been in better physical condition since I was in high school. You know, I, I'm, I'm the same size. I wear the same size pants I did when I was a junior in high school. Really? Well, I, I saw that picture you know, the other day, and you did look really, 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 really good. And not like you know, a, I mean, uh, you had an emaciated stage in your life where I, I think we were actually a little worried about you. And I, I think you looked yeah. really, really healthy. You really did. I got, I weigh, I, I weigh 195 pounds. I'm 5'11", and there was a time that I got down to 138 pounds. Oh, my God. Yeah, I weighed 138 pounds, and I had hair down to the middle of my back. And I had a ZZ Top beard because from from 2013 to about 2015, I completely gave up. You know, right. I've never had a suicidal thought in my life because my brother committed suicide. And I saw the damage it did to my family. It took 10 years off my mother's life. And so I've never had a suicidal thought because I'm too much of a coward. But there was a period there where I kind of went away after, after the fan that when I'd go to sleep at night, I didn't really care whether I woke up or not. I didn't really care. You know, if I woke up, I'm going to face another day. If and, I didn't wake up, know. screw it. You know, I, I've yeah. lived a hell of a lot. Well, oh God, I mean, that, that so frightens me now because it's not where you're at. I, now. Hope, yeah. I mean, I'm like, Oh my gosh. Well, I, I think, I think whenever, I remember actually, um, it may have been the week that you were uh, let go or, or so y'all were let go in a April, I believe, or what, uh, at the fan. Uh, April 15th, April 2013. 15th. So maybe day. it was a few months. It probably was a few months. And I actually, uh, I went to um, Summer Bash that, uh, so it would have probably been a couple months later. And I ran into Mike. Mike Reiner, and I asked him about you because I really, I really wanted to know how he felt about you. And he, uh, and I'm going to tell you the frank thing that he said. He said everything that he has done is is all on himself. He he he's got no one else to blame but himself, and and that is you know I I don't feel bad for him at all. And yeah, then then yeah, yeah I know I know you wouldn't and but I said yeah. I understand that, but I really, I really, at that time, I did worry about Grego, the person. I don't care if he's ever on radio again, that's fine, but I never, ever wanted anything bad to happen to you. And as when you said that you were, you're feeling a little suicidal at that time, I I can't really blame you. And then I I said, yeah, but I don't really, I think he's in a dark spot in this this type of thing happen. I don't want anything bad to happen. And Mike said, Oh hell no. I don't want anything bad to happen to the guy. You know, I just, you know, and that's, that's 
kind of what he had said. Yeah. Reiner had had it with me. Yeah. He had had it. And I get that. And I understand that. And I accept that. And he's 100% right. And I don't blame him. And I've never, I've, I've never really blamed him. And, and I think that, you know, I've, I really wish that, that Ryan's and I could have a talk. Yeah. I really do because, you know, I've, I've gone through this scenario a million times in my head because I'm kind of waiting for a phone call that may never happen. But I can tell you right now that Ryan were to call me today, tomorrow, next week, next year, five years from now. I'm just going to launch into baseball talk. <laughs> I'm just going to launch into, can you believe what the fucking Rangers are doing? Because I'm, I'm not interested in litigating the past. Because I don't hold... Now, if he wants to talk about it and ask me any questions, I will be so honest with him will be brutally honest and I will answer any question that he has. And if he wants to litigate the past, I will do it. But I've got no interest in doing that. I've got interest in looking out of the windshield and not the rearview mirror. Right. And I think that's and, that's basically what I would like to say is and plead if anybody could actually listen to this and send this to Mike Reiner is that I don't think anybody's a, a, no one's delusional to the grand or that grego might come back no grego's done grego is you're you've you're in retirement grego say you're this is retirement grego he's he's well see it's yeah. it's like this right here you, people can people can they, they can look at it either way brad yeah. i'm either retired or i'm unemployed <laughs> <laughs> I like Scooters for retired because it's you know, you know we just you know, we just let old Grego in, into the pasture and we just he's just know, retired that's, that's, now. You know, uh, I mean, if if the the um, I'm going to go ahead and brag. Okay, will you allow me to brag for one second? I love it when you brag. There has never been a more engaging, entertaining, informative radio show in, in the sports realm or in this area in Diamond Talk when me and Ryder were doing it. Mm-hmm. That's, it was, yeah, golden age. There's never been one that. Because we, we, had, we both had such a passion for baseball. We had such a passion for the Rangers that we could go to a Wednesday game when, in, in September when the Rangers were 20 games out and we could find something in that game to engage listeners, yes. and and I'm very proud of that. And that's what I I miss more than anything in radio. The big paychecks, more than the the you know I've, I've been to two Super Bowls and, and Final Fours and World Series. You know I've been very blessed. I mean I, I've been to every big sporting event that you can think of. You know, and not only there, but for free and up close and personal. But the one thing that I miss in radio more than anything, and it's not even close. Like I said, you know, more than all the free stuff, more than all the everybody knows your name, more than all the going to the front of the line at restaurants, talking baseball with Ryan. I miss that more than anything. Yeah. More than anything. 
Oh, I don't know. That brings a tear to your eye, doesn't it? I mean, it's just. Oh, it does. Bro. No, it does. <laughs> it really does. It, it really does, no, man. I. I don't, I don't bring up tears. I mean, baseball. There's no, no in baseball. I'm just saying. I, I think it's, uh, it's it's a relationship that you had with with Mike, and those type of things. It'll never be the same ever, ever again. But you have to look back on it, and, and you see that that moment, it was, it was the best time of your life, and that those those well, type of things. You, you know, know, yeah, it's just amazing. You know, to this day, and like I said, I mean, Reiner hasn't spoken to me since '07. I mean, I've, you know, he, he, he's got his reasons. And you know what? Reiner's a strange duck. You know, he's a strange duck. We, everybody's the ticket to strange duck. Mm-hmm. Gordo's a strange duck. And you're not successful, you know, if you're not a strange duck. Look how weird Robert De Niro is. <laughs> I mean, look how weird, you know, all those celebrities are. Look at Trump. Look how weird that dude is. Now, if you're not a weird duck, you can't be successful in the public realm. I don't think. But to this day, whenever I'm watching baseball, which I've got kind of far away from, I mean, I don't follow it as much as I used to. It's kind of painful. It's not much you're missing. You're not missing much. Whenever something comes up, you know, I know one thing. The Rangers need a little bit more asbestos in the new stadium. That son of a bitch is flammable. Burn that thing down before they even get there. What's up with that? No. I have no okay. idea. Rabbit hole. Rabbit hole. No, that's but, great. That was a great trip. I mean, what a metaphor for that fucking team. That fucking My week. Life. This whole week. It was I mean, just you, like, oh, yeah, well, at the God. end of it, it burns down. Good gosh. I mean, the Rangers more interested in launch angles and exit velocity and something called war <laughs> that I still can't figure out. And, you know, they're not worried about moving the runner over and scoring a run and, you know, winning the game in the ninth inning. But that's another story for another podcast. Yes, sir. State of baseball. Yes, it's sir. Become a, it's become a game of the home run and the strikeout. And it's boring to me. Very boring. But I will say this. I do watch it. And every situation that comes up to this day, I still say, okay, here's what I would say to run. Uh, here's what I would do to him. Here is how I would handle that. Or, man, what would Reiner think about that? Or, boy, the Reiner, I guarantee, is pissed about that. Yeah, it still it still comes up, and, you know, I don't know that that feeling will ever go away, but I certainly hope it doesn't. I don't want it to. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I want to keep that. Well, um, now, also, have you been in contact with anyone else? I mean, you said you haven't talked to anybody else from the ticket. Is it, I mean, you've had some correspondence with someone from the ticket. Um, I never really talked to I don't really talk to anybody on the phone much. But you know, I've run into some of the guys like you know during the Super Bowl during World Series, and they're they're very cordial. They're very guarded, but they're very cordial. Mm-hmm. And blame them? Don't blame them. I mean, they, they they have their reason, and maybe one of these days they'll tell me. But you know, I, I don't I don't blame them. But but as far as you know, relationships and hanging out and and, and you no know, texting and, and no, there's there's none of that. There's there's not not much not much content. But you know, I'm not trying to contact them either. Yeah. So. And, you know, I, I can't think off the top of my head 
anybody I've tried to contact other than Reiner that hasn't been cordial and got back with me. Anything with Corby? I mean, Corby and you were actually at, I guess, at the end of it, were were very close. I thought. Yeah, we were. We were. I mean, I, I, you know, since we're being unvarnished, I mean, I had to fight to get Corby on there because, and this was Ryan's morning on there. And I kind of had to, you know, well, you know, if you fight Ryan, you're going to lose. So, you know, know, I I wanted Corby there and I presented my case and I was able to convince Ryan. But there was no fight because if you fight Ryan, you're going to lose. Nobody nobody beats him. But initially, he didn't want that. I believe Ryan said that. I believe if if he hadn't, God, I guess I'd let the cat out of the bag. No, I never knew that. I never knew that at all. Yeah, well, at the time, you know, it was unfair because we were sharing Gordo yeah. between the morning show and the afternoon show. And that was really unfair to Gordo. It really was. And it's he identified more with the morning guys. And, you know, I just, Corby amused me. And I thought he was a great guy. Plus, he was a TCU guy. So, so, so that, that's the main thing. But I, I always thought he was funny. I thought he would do anything. But did I think that he was as talented as what he proves he is? No, I didn't think. But he he has far exceeded what, what I thought personally. I mean, I, I always thought that, that he would be very useful and he would be an asset to our show. But did I think he would be what he is now? No. I didn't think that at all. Because he's off the thoughts. I mean, nobody does better interviews. Nobody draws the celebrity out he does. Nobody is as fearless as that guy is. Just fearless. That guy doesn't fear the devil himself. And, you know, I, I can't say enough about this guy. You know, he, he you know, I, I like Corby. I mean, I, 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 you know, Corby came up to me, uh, I can't remember what it was, it was in Super Bowl, I can't remember what it was, but it was on, it was on the road and he came up to me at the airport and we kind of made nice and then, you know, everything was kind of cool. And then, you know, I made a couple of jokes about him that were jokes, you know, on social media. And I think he said it's little, but I was, I was kidding. I really was. And, and that's the only thing I can think of. That's the only thing. Because he, 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 uh, he kind of posted some things, you know, or, or I did first, but, you know, I mean, I was good at ingest. I really was. And if I wasn't, good at But I've got no animosity toward him. And, you know, I don't have any contact with him. But zero animosity toward any of them. You know, I mean, if I, if I thought I was wrong, then I would. But I wasn't. Well, it seems like a simple conversation would, would maybe solve a lot of these little little things, but maybe one day. Yeah, that's and that's the way I look at it. You know, I mean, I, I've kind of, I've kind of, you know, invented the term reinvented. You know, I've tried to reinvent myself. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not on, on the air anymore, but, you know, I have a lot of fun on social media. I really have a lot of fun on Twitter. Indeed. You know, just, just because of this, this crazy, ridiculous, out of control, 
gutter sniping world in which we live in now. I just, I have a lot of fun with it. I've got, you know, a lot of, not a lot of followers, but, you know, I've got a significant number and, you know, a number that I converse with and, you know, I have fun. I mean, I have fun with the news of the day. You know, just, you know, especially the political world. Oh, my gosh. You know, that's one thing that I did, you know, you know, back in early 2015, you know, when I started turning the corner was, you know, I'd go first, you know, head first into the election. And, you know, I'd always been on the periphery of, of the political world, but never, you know, past the surface. And I kind of dove in on that and educated myself. And, you know, what I found was, the, the, the most vile, corrupt institutions I've ever seen in my life. It's and funny I, when you start digging in that, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's awful. And, uh, you know, I, as I do with everything, I always try to look at the comedy side of it. And, you know, I just have to laugh at what's going on politically. I just, I just, I mean, uh, I mean, our, uh, I grew up in era, Brad, where you know, communism and socialism was a nasty word, and now it's embraced. <laughs> you know, and 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 I don't think that 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 I'll ever see the day that we're a socialist country, but you know, grandkids will. Maybe they will. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the, this is a, this is definitely a podcast for another day because I do uh, I do want to get your HSOs on a lot of political stuff because that is what you kind of centered around on your on your uh, at TCU white trash is that correct? That's it at TCU white trash. Yeah, well, follow me. Hang, follow, out, hang out with me. give Grego a follow. It's a it's a wild ride because a man who uh, doesn't have a job and nothing to lose. He's pretty fun on Twitter. I think so. Yeah, I, I you know. I, I'm just now. I, I do. I, I do pray to God every day and thank Him that the internet and social media didn't exist when I was a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Because there is no telling what I would have posted. Oh, I mean, yeah. there, there's there, there's no telling what I'll post now. You know, I turned sixty in January, and there's no telling what I'll post then. Uh, what I post now, much less when I was you know sixteen, seventeen years old. Well, it's been a fun but, you know, ride. I, yeah, you know, I just, I just, I, 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 I have fun with it, and you know, I hope anybody, I hope people don't take it, take me too seriously on it. You know, I mean, I, I just throw out my opinions. You know, I, I, I try to call balls and strikes, and just call as I see it. You know, I mean, I, I'll, I'll call out, you know, both sides of the aisle. I'll probably lean, you know, more to the conservative side. And I certainly do the, the liberal side, but you know, there's there, I, I don't trust either part. Well, you know, I, at this point, yeah, at this point, I'd rather be a member of the Donner Party than the Republican <laughs> or Democratic Party. I really would. Well, I'm going to end on this this political talk because it's it's fascinating to me. But I I have like 20 other things I want to talk to you about. But it it has turned into a, a new sport where you have the Rangers and the Yankees, and sometimes. You may not really, uh, or I mean, if maybe even just the Red Sox and the Yankees, and you may not really like the Red Sox, but you fucking hate the Yankees, and I think that's what <laughs> politics has turned into. That's truthfully for me. Well, and I, a, a recent guest I just I, had brought that up. That's who I am, and and like I said, you know, I'm I'm either unemployed slash retired. So if you're able to do this again, 
if you ever have any more questions or you want to, you know, do a another podcast, believe me, Brad, I'm available. <laughs> I'm available at nine o'clock in the morning. I'm available at two in the afternoon. I'm available at eight o'clock at night because I've got nothing to do. Uh, yeah. I'm either unemployed, slash, retired. I, I would again. I'm going to say retired because I I just. There's nothing for – there's nothing – There's nothing. I know it sounds better, but I don't, really don't think you have anything else that you need to do in radio. I mean, I, but, doesn't, but yeah. doesn't that sound a lot better? Oh, I'm retired. Well, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm retired. Oh, really? <laughs> really? Well, you know, offer me a job and see how close I come out of that fucking retirement. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And I think people um, – in the in the right setting, would definitely would want to hear more from uh, from Grego. Now, hold on, I want to I want to slightly transfer over into uh, the fan, which I found fa- a fascinating era for the fan because I um, the fan was a fledgling. Uh, let me say this nicely: a piece of shit radio station at the time before you got there. They were one of the worst sports radio stations in the DFW area unlistenable and whenever we found uh you you didn't start off with with rage you were your first kind of uh i would hear inklings that oh yeah Grego was on the the fan the other day is that correct yeah yeah it was that it was that was just a i'm gonna be honest with you i mean and i love richie witt and i think he's one of the best sports writers out there but it was just a bad Marriage between us, and, and uh, not marriage. It was a bad matchup. We we just compliment each other on the air, and I don't mean that compliment in the in the sense of I good. I'm, I mean we just didn't elevate each other. It did seem like an odd pairing for me. Yeah, and and it, and it was, and and you know once again, I mean there was there was there's been a lot written and a lot said about that time, and a lot of it's true, but a lot of it's not. And, you know, there, there were, there are reasons and excuses. And I try to give reasons nowadays and not excuses. And, you know, that was, that was, um, that was not going to work for me at the band because it was more corporate and I was used to the ticket way of immediacy of doing things. And all of a sudden we've got to run things through HR and legal departments. So when I was on the ticket, we just did it. Right. And I just didn't fit in that corporate world. And, you know, working for CBS Radio, who owned it at the time, I just didn't fit. You know, with Susquehanna, when they owned the ticket for the majority of the time I was there, you know, they kind of let us have loose reins. And it depend. not only did we not have loose reins, you know, we were tied to the stump with Bryle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was a wild bucking stallion. You know, I had to be allowed to buck. Mm-hmm. And when they didn't allow me to buck, all of a sudden, they're wanting me to be a radio guy. And I'm the worst radio guy in America. Because, you know, I'm, I, I don't have radio skills. I've got communication skills. I think I can be entertaining. But, you know, I, I couldn't deliver a ticket ticket. You know, I can do interviews, but you know, I'm 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 not that that horror themed Vincent Price 
radio guy with the big voice and the great delivery. And they kind of wanted to be that way. Yeah, I think that's... Wanted, and they kind of they kind of wanted you to follow rules. You're not a rule and guy. <laughs> no, no. I, I, uh, you know, rules are to be manipulated or broken and very rarely followed. Because what is one guy's rule is another guy's roadblock. And I just couldn't, um, I couldn't conform. And my big regret there was that I drug Richie down with me. I deserved to be fired. It's a thing. I was looking back. I don't think I was consciously doing it, but I was unconsciously trying to get fired. It was a, it was so a self-sabotage. You're, you're self-sabotaging it. And, it. and I think it showed. But Richie didn't deserve to be fired. He did. And I regret that. That's a big regret. That I've, drug him down with me. And I I, I didn't like that. I, I didn't mind me getting fired because the day that they hired the, the, the new program director, Gavin Spittle, you hit, hit the stopwatch on when I was going to be fired. But that guy didn't like me. He hated me. Mm-hmm. He, didn't, he didn't understand what I did. He didn't understand what I had done. And the oh. stopwatch, the day he was hired, and Bruce Gilbert left, that's when the stopwatch on me started going. And I kind of knew it, and it's not like I wanted to be fired, because I didn't. I didn't have any other place to go, and I knew that would be strike three, and I'd never get another chance. But I knew that my different numbers. And, but I really thought it would be me and pairing with somebody else, and they would go on. But when they, you know, but when that torpedo hit that raid ship and it took Richie down with me, man, I felt like a captain taking a sailor down to the bottom of the sea with me. I didn't like that. It's interesting to hear because I, I, I'm not maybe the biggest fan of Richie. That's why I guess I said that it, it was kind of a it was an odd pairing. I don't I don't know I haven't listened to I haven't listened to Richie yeah. any, anywhere else but it it just yeah, it just it didn't seem, didn't it, seem to work. It was an odd pairing and and I'll be honest you know and this is something that I would say to Richie Richie's a newspaper guy yeah and a lot of times newspaper guys have a hard time making that translation into radio now I'm not saying that he didn't make that okay I want to make that clear I'm just saying saying that I didn't come from the newspaper world. And you approach a show, you stack a show, and you do a show different on the radio than you present a story in the newspaper. And and Richie kind of leaned on that newspaper a little bit more than I would like him to. And so we clashed on that. I, I think I think that's again that's what was you know, and I that's what you that's what was visible while listening. You're going, there's obviously a struggle here and Richie was trying to take you one way, and I think you were resistant to that. And it was it was notice. You may have not even known that it was noticeable, but it was noticeable to the to the listeners. We were like, yeah. "This is just this is like tamed Grego. It just doesn't seem right. Something's wrong. I mean, it just didn't feel right." But it wasn't. You know, it it wasn't Richie's fault. No, you know, yeah, the and, and, and yeah. I don't think it was my fault either. I mean, it was just it's just a a a bad parent. 
I mean, I, 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 um, you know, I mean, you, you, once again, I, you know, I don't want to look in the rearview mirror, but I've been paired with RJ Shopping. Maybe I'm still there. Maybe, 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 maybe. I don't know. I don't know. But, That's an but, interesting you know, pairing. With, with, you know, well, you know, he and I worked at, at ESPN together. Well, yeah, I, 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 got, I remember that, but it, he, I mean, it would have been he, a different. He, 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 he's a guy, I'll tell the story. It's kind of funny. And, you know, RJ, was, you know, I don't think that I'm letting the cat out of the bag, but, you know, when I went to ESPN, I mean, RJ was just a, like an update guy. And I'm like, but I'll, I always liked him. I always like, I like that that northeast. You know, he's from New Jersey, and I always intrigued and loved that edge that you get from those northeastern guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I just, I mean, they just got that edge to them. And I was always intrigued by him. And when I would listen, even when I was at the the uh, the ticket, and would hear his updates, I'm like, man, that guy's got something. I don't know what it is. So when I was at so when I was at the at ESPN, and they, they said, well, you know, you know, a part of my like, man, I want RJ, and they're like, RJ, like, yeah, that's who I want. And so I had to talk them into it, and then we paired, and then you know I melted down and had to go away, and then Bruce Gilbert was you know redoing the the fan, you know I'm like, man, there's this guy over at ESPN, RJ Choppy. And this guy's got, because Bruce was looking for a, a morning show. He'd already ha- hired uh, Sean. And he was just, you know, running stuff by me. I mean, every once in a while, Bruce would run things by me every once in a while. And I'm like, man, there's this guy. And Bruce never heard of it. And I'm like, he's got something. You know, you might want to bring him in and just talk to him and, and just, you know, just give him a shot. Because we did a show together and... You know, it was really starting to take off, and, you know, I mean, I was in a bad place, as you say, and I, I like your description, a dark place. That's what it was. And, you know, had I not been there, I, it might have turned into something magical. If you were if and, you were the Grego, that would have, it would have definitely yeah, been it. So, yeah, and so Bruce just RJ out of the blue and goes, hey, you know, let me talk to you. RJ's like, no shit. And so he comes over there, and the next thing you know, you went from doing updates and 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 in game ranger stuff to morning drive at the fan, and still there, man, you know? and still there. And, and like I said, I, I you know RJ, I I, I, I don't know that you ever told that story, but no, I didn't I know I that. Have. I did not know that. I, I, need to, I, I guess I need to shut up. But yeah, I mean, I just said, hey, you know, you just kind of fished him out of the the ESPN aquarium over there, where he just was a goldfish. And, Next thing you know, he's doing morning drive and not only doing it, but doing one hell of a job. Mm-hmm. And he's great. And he's one of my favorite people in the entire world. And, you know, if, if I had a small part in getting him there, then it's a very small part yeah. because it's his talent that's kept him there. Oh, yeah, you I can get him that. a job, but he's the one who's got to keep it. And he's kept it. And well, I think he's made a, he's actually made a very, very decent show now, you know, I think. It's like me, you know, because I, I got exactly where I got, whether it be bartending or radio, just on luck. And and that was kind of a, a luck deal for RJ, you know, where I knew him and I kind of liked that kind of deal. And you put that harmonic convergence together and you start connecting the dots 
And next thing you know, you know, he's going from doing these updates to doing morning drive. You know, it's the number five media market in the country. But, you know, it was his talent that kept him there. Oh, yeah. Well, that's interesting. I did not know that story. And, but uh, I guess with, with Richie, you know, he, he did, uh, God damn, I read that entire, did he do like five freaking stories on you whenever the falling yeah. out happened? Yeah, it was a it was a uh, it was a long piece. I mean, it, it was a long piece, and there was a lot of truth in there. But there was some things that weren't. I mean, there was you know reference to a few things that just didn't happen. And I don't think Richie made it up, and I don't think Richie lied. I think Richie was given bad information. Mm-hmm. Which part was that? You know, I there was part about it. You know that I was drinking at a concert, and I wasn't even at the concert. Hmm. You know, but, but you do admit you do admit that during the fan there was um I guess you, you had a pres- another prescription problem wasn't wasn't really that I, I, I was coming off I mean I had the gastric bypass surgery uh or I had the lap band surgery right. back in 05 and then it went terribly wrong and I had to have it corrected and I mean I was you know, I, I, I was, you know, doing uh, liquid hydrocodone. And, you know, I mean, and I needed it because, I mean, I, they, they had to cut my guts out. I mean, basically, you know, the, the, the lap band went horribly wrong and all my internal organs were morphing around it. Right. And I was supposed to have a, I was supposed to have a 45 minute uh, procedure to take it out and it turned into a five hour surgery. Well, they had to cut it out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, once again, I mean, that, that's a reason. It's not a, a an excuse. But, I mean, that happened. And, you know, I had it done on a Wednesday. And I took Thursday and Friday off. And I was planning on being back to work the following Monday. Well, I didn't come back to work to the following, following Monday. Mm-hmm. I mean, this went horribly wrong. And I was, you know, in the hospital for two days. I mean, they literally had to cut my guts out. Well, when, when was this? Uh, this was uh, this was this was in in uh, in the summer of of 2012. Okay, okay. So was did and, he get did he get part of that pro- wrong? Because if you were having a medical issue, yeah, and you missed I mean, some time, was, but well, it, it it was a medical issue, and I had to get a prescription filled when we were at the Super Bowl right. that year in thirteen. And then we were fired in in April of thirteen, so this would have been January of thirteen. And I had to have a prescription pill. I mean, I, you know, I was, you know, believe it or not, I mean, this was this was not uh, painkiller abuse. I mean, this was, you know, I mean, I needed this pain medicine. Right. I mean, I, I was having trouble making it to the show. Like I said, they had to cut my guts out. Right. I, I didn't know that I part. Prove, I, I didn't know that part. I can prove. Well, like I said, there's a lot of. I've never really told my side of the story on a lot of this. Well, I think that's because, what a lot of people need to know. Yeah. Because I do, it sounds like I'm making excuses. And I, I, don't, I don't want to do that. I don't, I don't want to play the sympathy card. You know, I don't want to play the oh, woe me card. I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to play the excuse card. You know, I can give you a reason on what happened. And that was, you know, a couple of things in that article that were wrong. Now, a lot of that article was right. 100% on target. 
but you know there were some things that that weren't. And like I said, don't think Richie lied, and I don't think he made it up. I think he was just giving some bad information. Well, uh, they, and he didn't, go ahead. I'm sorry. You know, and he he didn't talk to me about any of it. You know, he wrote it without my perspective. Which is the way he wanted to. That's a technique. Oh yeah, and I think that's what I was missing from it. You're kind of he's writing the story about you, and and then okay, well, what's Grego's side of this? And I mean, this is just no, you don't. You know, you know, in journalism school, sometimes you you know you write a takeout piece, and you don't get that perspective. You know, you just write from other people's because maybe he thought if he talked to me that he was going to get a bunch of lies, which he might have got. Right. So, you know, what's the use? But I certainly don't blame Richie for that article. It was tough to read for me. It was, you know, kind of dagger through the heart. But there was a lot of truth in it. Well, I mean, that's what's kind of funny about him writing that story. Is, is the big story was um, the one he wrote in 2009 now? Oh, yeah, right. yeah. When he was at the Observer, when he was yeah. at the Observer, and that was that was a fascinating, you know, I think that's was what's crazy is I I do have my things about Richie that I don't really like, but when he's writing these stories, they're compelling, and I'm like, whoa, like, you know, that was real big, and this was kind of his follow up to that. My gosh, he he's such a talented writer, you know, you're such a but when he wrote that one about me in in '09, I, I was I was still in that dark spot. Yeah. And I was still in that arrogant asshole, you know, I'm the greatest in the world. You know, I, I was, it was, I'm very embarrassed by it. I'm very embarrassed by the way, I mean, I wasn't, I'm not the person that I became. You see, that's what bothers me most about me and Reiner is the guy that Reiner discovered, the guy that abused him, that's the real me. But I morphed into this monster. I morphed into this absolute, total asshole. This arrogant, egotistical asshole. And that's Reiner. I mean, that's the Grego that Reiner hates. But that's not... That's and, not you. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what... Sh I mean, I think maybe a, a few years ago, maybe I wouldn't have wanted had done this podcast because maybe I didn't think your head was really into it. And now I feel like you are in in a much different place where you are. Uh, I can you can reflect and say those type of things, or maybe you might have not even like, nah, you know, I'm, I might have been a little fucked up or or whatever. But I was still, you know, you know, I was still right in some of those areas. But now you can reflect on it, and I think that's the best part is where you can sit there and go, you know what? I was just a really, really bad person at that time, and that's not who I am. Well, you know, I can sit here and deny it. Of course. You know, but, that was my pro but, but that was my problem. Yeah. I was denying it then, and everybody else, you know, you're the last person to realize you're an asshole. When you're an asshole, you're the last person that knows, because everybody in your orbit knows. But you're the last one that figures it out. And I'm just thankful to God that I was able to finally realize, you know what? You're the asshole. It's not everybody else. You are. And, you know, it's taken, you know, I admit some therapy, 
you know, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still currently in therapy, probably will for the rest of my life. I'm currently under antidepressants, which I'm probably going to have to take for the rest of my life. And, but it was the, my church in my AA meetings that really turned me around. Now I have to take the medication to stay regulated. And I, I, I don't like that, Brad. Mm-hmm. I really don't. I don't, I don't like the fact really that I know every morning that I've got to take a pill to be, what's the term? Is it normal? Is it stable? <laughs> yeah. I mean, what? At homeostasis? I mean, what is it? I mean. But I have to take, I, I have to. I, I know that if I do, that I'm happy. And I'm happier right now than I've ever been in my entire life. I, I I'm think more content. That, that's so great. I'm, I'm more content right now than I've ever been in my whole life. I'm in better shape than I am than I've ever been in my whole life, both physically and mentally. And I've lost a lot, but it's all on me, and it's just stuff. But, you know, I lost one thing that I'll never be able to get back, you know? I mean, I may, I may have those nice cars one of these days again that I don't right now. I may have, you know, all the, the, the you know, um, toys that I used to have that I don't no longer have. But there's one thing I'm never going to have. I'm never going to have my name back because I sullied it. I spoiled it. I tainted it. And I'm never getting that back, no matter what. No matter how many podcasts I do, no matter how many interviews I do, no matter how many apologies I issue, I'm never going to get that name back that's gone forever. And that's something my mom died with. My mom died knowing that. Hmm. And that's regretful to me. That's regretful that, that I disappointed my mother. Fuck me. Fuck everybody else. But my mom died disappointed in me. She died in 2014. And I was a mess. And I'll never get my name back. I will never, ever be able to look my mom in the eye and see that proud look that she once had. I'll never get that back. And that will haunt me until the day I die. Wow, Grego. Well, I uh, have so much more. Come back in, cowboys. Let's talk about that. Grego, that's what I wanted from you. I don't. I didn't want. You know, I, I knew I wasn't going to get any type of. You know, with the, when you talk to Grego, you're not going to get some type of bullshit where he's going to, you know, not shoot it to you straight. And I knew you were going to do that today. And I and I. That's well, why. That's why know, I wanted I, you on. I, I hope I add something to it. You know, I mean, because I've always admired you, and I mean, you're one of the funniest guys out there. You were at the ticket from the very beginning. And you're talking you know, about someone else. You get it. <laughs> you, know, talking... <laughs> you, you know, and and so when you reached out and wanted to do a podcast, I'm like, well, you know, I've kind of got some heart problems right now, but damn, as soon as I get that ticker under control, I will do that. Well, well, we kind of missed on a couple of days. And you probably thought, well, see, there's Grego disappearing again. There he is. He's off. He's off doing drugs. He's, he's a drug head. You, you know, know that's what you were thinking. 
I no, it wasn't. It really was. It well, really, was really wasn't. Do, I was. I was trying to fight the doctors that were trying to put me in the fucking hospital. No, no, I, I really actually wasn't. I knew. I was like, Grego's gonna show up when sh- when Grego wants to show up, and I can't do anything. I can't go track him down. Grego's gonna show up when he wants to show up, and we've been well, talking about this yeah. for a while to come on. And it's just, yeah. hey, you know what? He's he'll come on when he comes on. I can't force it. I had a little bit of a heart problem. Yeah. And had to had to go to the hospital for a while, and my mom had a stroke. My dad died of a heart attack, and so you know, my mother had high blood pressure. And my dad had congenital heart failure. So what chance do I have? I mean, that's 100% of your chromosomes and your genes right there. So, you know, it, it, you know, I'm 59 now, and I'm in great physical condition, but my heart's not. There's not much you can do about that. So, yeah, feature down the road, but, you know, right now, scans work. <laughs> well, I'll just leave it at that. No, uh, and it's really been... I, I I wasn't worried about it at all. I was only worried that you were feeling better. I, I really was. I, yeah. I, I really, well, I really, I, I just wanted you to be better. I don't give a shit about you being on this podcast or anything. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'll enjoy. I hope we, we can do this again. Absolutely. Yeah, I want to get you in more we're, as po- political Grego because you know sports. You, you I, have, <laughs> what am I getting myself into? Did, did you like? Did you like the sports side of me? I did, absolutely. Okay, well then, you're going to love the political side of me. Because I'm, you know, and I don't, I, I, I just, just take this for what it's worth. I'm better at talking politics than I am sports. A lot better. I'm better at talking about politics than I am baseball. Well, I think the world's ready for it. At least I hope. I <laughs> or are they? Or are they? <laughs> I think they're ready. <laughs> well, maybe they're not. Or, or are they? Yeah. yeah. So. There maybe or may or not. You know, I, this is. Uh, I I really don't know what exactly this podcast is going to be. If it's going to be a political one, or I've uh, I've talked to Kevin Turner, uh, who just left the fan with the uh, with Ben and Skin. So I I do I do do some sports by radio way, things. So um, by the way, by the way, KT tweets. Good guy and talented guy. Why'd they let him? Well, I think Kevin it's is. Uh, yeah, I know. I, I, it's you know, Gavin Spittle's got his own thing going on, and I uh, if you if you listen to that podcast, I was pleading because uh, basically they got a directive to uh, to basically you need to talk more sports, and you know we want to hear from the the oh, callers. Yeah. We want to do all that shit, and and oh, Ben and Skin yeah. had heard it at that point. We're done. That's not the good recipe. It's not, I mean, they're, you know, they're going to find out the hard way. I mean, it's, it's, that's not the way. I, I mean, pleaded, I pleaded with him on on that on that episode. I was like, Gavin, please, if you're if someone give this to Gavin Spittle, please don't do this to the station because I actually, truly, yeah. I, I love the ticket. The ticket will always be in my heart. But I'm telling you, I think uh, the fan is becoming a worthy adversary, and and I think that's going to be good for the ticket to. Uh, you know, yeah. as 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 Mike Reiner's getting into his sixties, it's gonna be harder to get up every day and do that great show and I want him to be able to get up and do a great show. Not for him. He's a machine. Yeah. He is a machine. Well, you know, I always look at it like this. You know, your sports fans, the ones that are diehard sports fans, that they need the scores and they need to know the difference in a four three defense and a three four 
and they need to know what a double switch is. I mean, and they want to hear about all that, and they want to break it down. They're a dime, okay? They're a dime. Now, now think of the circumference of a dime. Mm -hmm. But the people that are casual sports fans, and they want to know, you know, why the Cowboys can't make a coin toss call. And, you know, they want to know, you know, about the Rangers' free agency and, you know, trading for a pitcher coming off of a broken fucking arm, you know? And But they also like music, and they also like entertainment, and they like to laugh. They're a wagon wheel. Now think of the circumference of a wagon wheel. Yeah, That's the people there. So the people that are the dime, you got them no matter what. They'll be They've there. got nowhere else to go. Yeah, they'll be but there. But the other, the other people are the people that you need to get in there with you. And, and that's what a lot of program directors have a hard time grasping. And they think they, they take that all sports all the time, literally. And there has never been a more bullshit slogan than all sports all the time. Yeah, I mean. Because I, it ain't. Because, well, you know, ESP, ESPN's not all sports all the time. No. No, and but I I was telling you before you got to that fan, uh, that was when a little before Ben and Skin, you know Ben and Skin were there to kind of start out, and their show, and I'll tell it to their face. I said their show was awful. It was one of the worst shows I've ever listened to as far as sports radio. I liked the guys themselves, but the show was awful because they would just do the all sports thing, where in one segment they would talk about four different subjects have three callers go on the text line 10 times. And this is one segment. How does that sound you know, to you? <laughs> you know, if you, if you're doing a one hour show, just one hour, like Randy used to do on, you can do all. Yeah. Can't hear you, Greco. Can't hear you. I said, if you're doing a four hour show, you, you better, you better have something other than sports. If you're doing one hour, you can do all sports, but if you're doing one of those marathon four-hour ones, you better have something else. Or there, they'll they'll listen in for that one segment, but it's doubtful that they're going to go in for the next one. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I looked at it like this every day when when I was on the hard line in, in the afternoon, and we came on at three o'clock. By the time we came on at three o'clock, everybody that was a listener, they knew the score, they knew hit the, who hit the home runs. They knew who scored the touchdown. They knew all the storylines. They knew the, 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 they knew everything. My challenge every day was to create a different narrative than everybody else had. I had to find out what else was going on and dig deeper. And so that was my challenge through all the information. You know, what I had to do was fill it up. And my, my, one objective every day was knowing that this guy was driving home from a job he hated, going home to a wife that he was sick of, with kids that were hitting him up for money. And my job was, while he was in that car, making that drive home, was to make him laugh a couple times. Just make him laugh a couple times. And that's what drove me. I mean, that drove me the whole time I was doing afternoon drive is to make that dude that just had a miserable day, make him laugh somehow. If that was talking about some girl's tits, if that was talking about somebody cutting me off in traffic, 
if I was talking about, you know, going on some exotic trip, that's what I did. But I didn't beat him over the head telling him the difference between the 4-3 and the 3-4 defense. He knew that. <laughs> he already knew that, and that's what made Grego Grego. And I, um, we're gonna. <laughs> I can't believe we've almost hit two hours, and uh, <laughs> that's just amazing to me. You know, you know, it'd be, you know, it'd be funny if you screwed up the deal and none of this recorded. I've been looking at that constantly. I'm like, I swear <laughs> to God, if this is not recorded, I'm gonna lose hey, it. Super Bowl, Super Bowl twenty seven that I covered. And WBAP paid all for that money, but went out there to to California, and it, I did all my interviews after the game at Super Bowl, and the whole time I had the wrong I had the wrong uh, I had the mic plugged in the wrong place and got nothing, nothing at Super Bowl. Yes, it's my worst fear right now is that I get oh, a, I get an intriguing conversation and then nothing is recorded or well if this happened I'm pretty sure your vocals are in there so even if hey, mine aren't I'll just add mine in later so at hey, least I got you, you know what I'm unemployed I'm slash retired either one you want to pick so I'm available so if it doesn't record you can call tomorrow and we'll do the whole damn thing again well, I, I yeah, we probably will. But no, I think this one's recording, and we're we're closing in on two hours. So I'm gonna. Well, I, I'm I'm a I, I got a few things to do today. So I'm gonna. Uh, I greatly greatly appreciate you coming on, and I want to hear I want to hear political Grego because we already got a few little like uh, glimpses of it, and I'm like, yes, we need to do more of that. Like, but I need we need to make sure you post. Make sure you post this on Twitter where I can forward it on to because yes. I've alerted a couple people and, and for some reason they're wanting to hear this. Um, for some, some reason, reason it, I, for some well, reason they're interested in me. I don't know why. Well, I, I know I, you'll work. I know you'll work your magic and make it somehow sound good. I hope it. Hopefully, it does sound good. I know it probably won't come to maybe standards of some, but I am a fledgling podcaster, which I'm. I don't have. Uh, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I know I want to do it. Is that what? <laughs> so. Well, you're, you're you're very good at it. Can, can I leave you with one thing before we go right now? Please do. And just okay, it, this is called a tease. It's called a radio tease because we're going to do this again, right? Correct. Okay, I've done this entire interview on a flip phone. Oh my god, I was going to say that. <laughs> the, the question is, why do I have a flip phone? Next, Next. on the Brad C podcast, exactly. <laughs> Okay, Grego. I really greatly right, appreciate Brad. it, and uh, hey. and we'll we're gonna do this again. There's no doubt, and Anytime. we'll talk. Anytime, man. I'll talk to you later, Brad. Okay. All right, Grego. Have a good one. All right, man. See you. See you. Bye. All right, bye. Wow.
Wow. As I said at the end, I even left that part. Um, when I, uh, oops. Whoa, sorry. That's a, that's called inexperience in broadcasting. But, uh, if you, if you listen to the entire interview, um, at the end, when I hang up the phone, I left that in there on purpose. Um, that was, that was literally my, uh, response was just, wow. Wow. Indeed. That number one, he took my phone call. Number two, how great he was in the interview. I I was I was blown away. I I think I I knew Grego was going to be good, especially in a podcast form where he's able to like articulate everything that he wants to talk about. And if you noticed, I guess with other interviews, I felt like I needed to talk or da da da. This one, just stay quiet, Brad. This isn't about you. Push him in the right direction and then let it go. And if uh, there are hopefully will be some broadcasters that will listen to this and go, yeah, Brad, you probably did the right thing or you, you really sucked. But this is uh, now my official fourth interview and I feel like I did fairly well. So um, and that's why also if you've listened to the other podcast, I usually start the podcast with kind of a little introduction and say, hey, this is so and so, you know, and it. I didn't want to do any of that. I didn't even want to start off with music. I didn't want to do any of that. I just wanted to get into the podcast and let everyone hear it, digest it, and then maybe some people will stick around and listen to this little conclusion of the podcast. Um, I'm still at all. I, I still just can't really believe that it happened, that I messaged Grego. I've, I've messaged Grego maybe years ago and I really wanted to sit around and talk to him and, and figure out what the real story was with, uh, real story with him. And man, um, finally, uh, just, just decided to start this podcast. And then, um, one of the first people I really wanted to talk to was Grego and that's everyone else. I mean, I love Kevin Turner. He's a great guy and I appreciate him coming on and Robbie, the fire Bernstein coming on and, uh, Jacob. I mean, I don't really care if he came on or not, but with, with Grego, I was like, this is the guest right here. This is the guest that I'm most interested in. If anyone knows anything about me, I'm a huge, uh, I mean, not so much, maybe even more, uh, maybe anymore, but I, uh, I was a huge ticket listener. I was a P one and Grego was kind of part of my, um, kind of part of my development and like growing up, you know, Grego was there in the afternoons and listening to stack and, you know, me halfway kind of complaining about it, but also enjoying it all at the same time. And Grego is such an, I really feel in probably the best spot he's ever been. He's, he seems to be at peace with everything and, and just such in a, a really, really good place. I think, I mean, I don't know him. I mean, I, I haven't gone to his house. I haven't hung out with him in a long period of time, but 
you listen to the interview. You tell me that that didn't sound like the most clear-headed Grego that we've heard in, in well over a decade. That that was the Grego that we all knew and loved. That was that was the guy. And I'm just glad I was able to get him out of that. Um, it was a it was a long road to get there. Um, Grego was uh, going through some some medical stuff, and I I, um, I had to be patient with it, and I had to. Um, there was I, okay. He, he brings it up that I was nervous about it, and I kind of was, but I kind of wasn't. I was like, Grego's gonna Grego's gonna do this interview whenever he wants. This is Grego. He says, "Oh yeah, just call me anytime." But no, Grego's gonna do this whenever he wants. I called him um, that morning. I said, "Hey, are you are you good? Are you you know?" We messaged together, and I was like, "I have some free time. Can we can we get something on tape?" And he was. Um, he was like, oh yeah. And then we start talking, you know, I don't have anything recorded yet. And he was just kind of like, well, let me, uh, I, I've actually got a morning routine and I want to, I want to do these things. And I said, that's fine. I got a few things to do too. And we'll, we'll, we'll rendezvous back. And we, we finally got it on tape and everything's good to go. And I think what we made was pretty great. I, and I, I do apologize to some people that, um, I felt like I pretty much brought, uh, brought it down. I think I was, uh, I was extremely nervous, um, going into it and during it, I didn't, I knew I wanted Grego to carry me to the finish line and just kind of point in the right direction. And then there was a point where I was like, Oh God, now I've really got to, I got to move the ship. And I kind of stuttered in, into some of those spots. So I do apologize. I'm not a seasoned, you know, I have a day job, so I can't uh, I can't be the best podcaster I want to be, but uh, I'm trying, and I um, I think Grego was just just fantastic, um, and I hope it gets to people um, out there that have been kind of wondering where he's at, what he's been doing, and you know the journey that he was the journey that he was on. I think it's um, it's one of those journeys that you never want. You know, you wish for someone, but I think what he's come out of it is a man at peace and a man um, that has seen his wrongs. And I think that's something that a lot of people uh, don't aren't they never really get to that point to look back and just kind of, you know, some people can look at it and go, no, everything I did was right. It's just I had some bad luck with him. He 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 sabotaged a lot of the things that he was doing. And I think it shows um, um, really reveals a lot about with us. You know, he, he was a man who was depressed. He was a man who was, um, and he's still going through it constantly. It's not a, it's not something that's past him. He's, he's still dealing with it. And I root for that guy every day because I don't want anything bad to happen to him. No matter, you know, oh, he's just some lunatic you know and you know he's he's a drug addict or something like that that's not what i think people are going to look back and see with grego they're going to see that he had a dark past but i hope you know at the end of it he was talking about his name and i hope one day yeah we'll look at it and go yeah grego had a dark past but damn damn if he wasn't the pioneer in sports radio and DFW and the best that ever did it with Mike Reiner. 
And that being one of the best shows that ever lived. That, that was one of the best shows. And I hope people remember that. And I hope even, you know, Mike Reiner is able to see that. And I hope Corby's able to see And all the people from the ticket are able to see that. And, and I think they do. I think none, I don't, I've never heard anybody from the ticket sit there and just go, you know, F, you know, screw Grego. I don't want to hear from him anymore. You know, and he, what did he ever do? I did was, you know, all he did was fuck up. I think people are, um, they understand what he did. And I think I just want to reiterate it with this interview to kind of let people see how he's doing and, and, where his journey has been. And I think I would, I would pay, I would love to have him back on again because he's going to be, um, and some people don't want to hear it and that's fine. You don't got to listen to it. You know, I don't think this one was a very political podcast. I think this one was just, Hey, Grego, you know, tell us your, tell us your story. And, and he told it and he told it beautifully. And I think it really put a lot of humanity into it. To where I think a lot of people have like a uh, a caricature of Grego. They see the they hear the drops on uh, on the ticket and they hear the the ticket lore, you know, and stories and everything. And I think there's more to him than that. And uh, I think you've got a. I love that my printer is going off right now. Thank you so much, printer. But I think um, at in the end, I think we're going to look at it and. Um, See that Grego is a, uh, I think he has a good, good heart. I think he, um, he's obviously just a loudmouth guy and I, I can relate to some of that stuff. And I, um, I was really, really proud of this interview and, uh, it's, um, this is damn, damn near a dream come true today. And I, uh, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm so, uh, I'm so thankful that he did that he came on with me. And I, I just, um, I can't thank Grego enough. Go follow Grego at, um, at TC. <laughs> this is the funniest, uh, thing that he put on here is this TCU white trash on Twitter. Follow Grego. He's going to be a fun follow. If you're a little wimpy, you know, you, you don't like hearing bad things or, uh, you know, he's, he's unfiltered, man. He, he got you know, he's not here for your, uh, political correctness. Um, Grego is who he is and he's never going to change. And I, I don't really want him to change. I want him to change in a good, in a good way. And I think he has, I think he's taken a really good, hard look at himself. And I, I think, uh, hopefully a man, um, who's seek redemption. Hopefully, hopefully, Hopefully people see that and I hopefully have a reunion with Grego and Mike and Corby and everyone doesn't need to get along. Everyone doesn't need to be, you know, we're best friends again. I think everybody needs to reconcile what had happened and how, how screwed up it was. But here we are now. Let's not forget what Grego has done and he needs to be, um, I don't want to say honored, but he needs to be recognized. And it's okay. I'm all right with Grego not being on the radio every day. I, I don't like, oh man, I just wish Grego was on Harlan. No, I'm, I'm maybe in like 2008, but I, I'm, I'm resigned to the fact. But he still needs to have his name not thrown in the mud and 
he's a good person. And if you hear that part of that interview where he talks about his mom, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's heart wrenching stuff, especially from a guy who's, you know, I really believe he's a really good guy and not, you know, if he was a piece of shit, I probably, I would have never had him on, you know, there's no way I would have never had him on. I never thought he was a piece of shit. I always thought he was one of the uh, good hearted guys that kind of, you know, had a dark streak. And I think, that doesn't define a person. I don't think it should for Grego, and I think that's unfair. And I think uh, if you come away from this interview going, you didn't leave with some humanity for Grego. I don't know what to tell you, but I did. I came away from it. Uh, there were some questions that I was going to be a little harder on him, but I think for him, I was like, I, "That's I've he he basically covered it. I mean, I didn't need to say much anymore about him." you know, um, you know, screwing up. He said it himself. He said he screwed up and that the ticket does, you know, the, the ticket absolutely needed to fire him and that the fan absolutely needed, you know, that's what else do you need to say? He said it all himself. So it was one of the easiest and more nerve wracking interviews I've ever done. Cause I was just so, uh, I was kind of starstruck that it was, he was like on the other line, but, um, I think I made it through it and I didn't, embarrass myself totally but we'll see we'll see when this comes out and i'll i'll be entirely embarrassed and i'll take it off of the air <laughs> so you'll have to pay for that one all right well that's it and uh please follow me at at brad calhoun um all your hate mail put it bring it on and this is another dumb pa- podcast and fucking grego was on it that's amazing all right see y'all